his home, yeah, they pulled him apart. They took a daughter from my home, they were forced to the bar. Amongst the others on the train, they called the Iron Horse. Another native fell victim to their Holocaust. Sounds good. Forget. I'm not sure I could. Say that again. Say <laughs> I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, October 22nd. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do start conversations and, uh, and, and try to encourage conversations. Uh, we don't do prayers, and we don't do Buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, uh, and our survival. Uh, we talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. We may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But before we do, let me remind people that our audio streams at www.letstalknative.com. We stream video of the show on Facebook Live on our group pages via Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on, on SoundCloud so it goes out to uh, all your favorite platforms for podcasts. We take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast or subscribe and or subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel so you get our latest videos. And, um, of course, videos of our shows are posted up uh, on, on there as well. Um, I'm John Kane. I am the host and producer of the show. I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video and um, look, let me get right into it. Um, I'm going to, as I said in my, my promo, I'm going to plow some old earth here because, you know, look, Facebook brings up these memories. And uh, and so sometimes I'll repost something that I posted, say, a few years ago, sometimes quite a few years ago, because most of the things, and, and this is where, where some of the con- consistency comes from. If something shows up in my memories, it's as relevant today as it was the day I posted it, uh, almost without exception. And several years ago, and frankly, I don't remember how many years ago I did it, but I, I posted up the two um, womp, two wampum belts that you know really illustrate the choices that Native people um, feel compelled to make. You know, one of them being the two-row wampum, and the other one being what is most of the time called the George Washington belt, and it's because he's the one who had the belt made um but it's i've also heard it called other things uh, erroneously called the the covenant belt the the covenant chain belt and and all of this you know a lot of this you know this other nonsense and okay and but the the, the belts couldn't represent a more distinct path to follow the two row it, it couldn't be clear it is it's two. It's two purple lines of uh, of wampum running across the belt, and it represents two paths. One of those paths is ours, and the other one is the path of perhaps any other part of creation. I mean, uh, what what we when we think of the two row wampum or the uh, um, the Goswanta or Deohade, we oftentimes reduce it down to you know, our canoe and the white man's ship on, on, you know, and, and that we're on um, the river of life and, and that our paths uh, will not cross. Well, we were using this imagery long before white man ever washed up on our shores. Uh, the reality is we call it, uh, you know, the Deohadi means two paths, not two, you know, wakes on a, on a, on a river, but two paths. We had to kind of re, um, recast when when we offered the two row to white men, they didn't have a path on our on our mother. They didn't have a path. They didn't have something that generations had uh, of, of people before them had laid down with their feet to say, okay, this is the path that we're on. No, they they had nothing like that. They they were newcomers, and they showed up in in, in these in these boats. But when a boat travels, it does. It leaves a little bit of a wake behind it. So. It, it's not a permanent wake. It's not. It's not a permanent path. It doesn't leave a, an indelible mark on the water. But so we used the analogy of two ve- uh, two vessels, our vessel and their vessel, on the water. 
And we said, we will not ride in your vessel. You will not ride in ours. You won't steer ours. We won't steer yours. We won't you know, straddle with one foot in each, in each vessel. I mean, and that's not the way the, the two-world begins, but it's the way we left it. And, you know, so we, 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 we now wrestle with that, right? We, we wrestle with the whole idea of how do we maintain ourselves on our path? How do we not step into their vessel? And, of course, you know, what makes it difficult is the other belt that I'm talking about. So when you look at the what is called the Washington belt, this belt does not show us as a distinct separate path from theirs. Not not by any means. What it what it shows and what it demonstrates is this notion that we are a lesser human being. That we are subordinate. And that although we have our hands on our longhouse, if that's and the assumption is that's what that imagery is. Although we have our hands on longhouse, we're also firmly in, in the grip of, of, of a much bigger and many more white men. That's what the, the 13 large images represent the colonies. We represent the uh, are the two little little men in that belt. That again, we didn't this wasn't a belt of our creation. It might have been produced under contract, essentially, commissioned by a, by a native person to, to make it. But the belt and the image wasn't ours. This was Washington's imagery. And it's what he hoped decided to seduce us by using one of our own um, instruments, one of our own ways of communication. He hoped that he could seduce us into accepting a small place within their system. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of our people are right now. now every, everybody who says, oh, we should go out and vote. What they're saying is, let's use our really, really small, marginalized voice to just try to have impact in their system. Let's 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 play American. Let, let's be one of them and see if we can't get something for it. Maybe that maybe they'll treat us nicer. Maybe we'll um we'll we'll convince them to to have a list a Native American uh platform item on their you know on their slate. And you know what? They do. They'll put. They'll put it up. They'll say, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, we love the native people. Yeah, we want your vote. Yeah, sure." And and in the end, we represent a tiny percentage of the of the electorate. And and I'm not talking about just the U.S. here. I'm talking about the Canadian side. For all of you who were just hell bent on getting out there and make sure you vote for Justin Trudeau, even though he lied to our face and he wears blackface and he's you know and he's all about uh, tar sands oil. Let's get out and vote for him because the other guy's worse. Sound familiar? And many of you said this. I mean, look, a lot of a lot of my friends said this. Oh, we got we got to make sure that uh, Sheer doesn't get in. So you know, we got to go out and vote for. Uh, you know, we got to go out. We got to we got to vote for Justin Trudeau, even though he lies to us. I saw somebody said, "Look, I'd rather be lied to by Trudeau than than have Sheer keep uh, keep his word, because what his word, uh, you know, what he promised was." Uh, uh, was worse than uh, than Trudeau lying to us. Apparently, that's that was the uh, the logic. And of course, we're being sucked into the American election, and and always have been. I mean, after after the debacle that, le- that left the moron in the White House today, there were still many people saying, "Oh, Native people need to go out and vote." You know, the the, the midterm elections. Uh, oh, everybody got to, has to go out and vote. And oh, look, we got two Native women who are now on, in Congress. Isn't that great? Now we're now we're represented. No, we're not. They don't. We're not their constituents. A bunch of white people in New Mexico and in Kansas are their, are 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 predominantly their constituency. Native people in in North Dakota or in Seneca Territory or in Mohawk Territory. No, we aren't. We aren't their constituency. Now, will they bring up and say, "Oh, yeah, we're going to pass some legislation." at the federal level that's going to make things better for native people. Yeah, how has that worked out so far? When has that ever that worked out? Indian Child Welfare Act? Yeah, right. Uh violence against women? We're at an all-time high. None of that stuff is is making our lives better and and nor should it. They should just enforce their laws on their people. But again, we get sucked into this, right? That's what that's what keeps happening. We keep getting sucked in to this idea that 
if we if we participate in their system, we're going to change it from within. Really, if we native people living on a native territory in uh, on the U.S. side of that imaginary line, we're like eight or nine tenths of one percent. In you know total total nationwide population. No, I, I know they they inflate those numbers because anybody who says, "Oh yeah, I'm Cherokee," you know, on a, on a census, you know, registers when when they try to figure out the demographics of the, you know, uh, of the of the United States. But no, we're less than one percent, and especially and when I and I'm talking about people who live on native territory because there is a difference, and I've talked about this before. There is a difference, and by some estimates. 70% of the people who claim to be native or who perhaps are native, I don't know, live in the cities. They don't live on native territories. So only about 30% of what people will claim as a population live on native territories. See, and I don't know, that must apply to other places. I, where we live here, I most of the Seneca population, for instance, lives on either Allegheny or, or, or Cattaraugus territories. I mean, there, there's, you know, a couple of thousand, maybe there's a thousand or so that live or you know, a couple thousand live in in the in Buffalo and Rochester, Erie, or whatever. But but most of the Senecas, the vast majority of Senecas, live on Seneca land. And 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 I got to, I mean, I don't know what the breakdown is on other territories, but but again, if you live on a native territory and you think you're going to affect change, and you, and so you're going to say no, I'm going to on, and if you're going to try this, if you're going to say, well, I'm going to vote. But I'm not really an American. Eh, you know, you really kind of are. The only way you can vote is if you're an American. Now, they can't deny us to vote. Well, yes, they can, I guess. If you consider what they're doing in North Dakota. They can they can make it difficult for Native people to vote. But they can't have a broad-based policy that just says, no, if you're Native, you can't vote. They, they'll come up with other ways to stop us from voting if, if, we, you know, if we really wanted to. But should we want to? I mean, I know there was a, a lot of conversation. Look, I heard some good voices that came out of um, a lot of, you know, Six Nations and, and Gunawaga and different places that said, no, we don't vote in their elections. <laughs> in fact, you know, in many of our communities, we don't vote in the native elections. Why? Because that system isn't even ours. I think the, the idea that, that we're ever going to vote in their elections, in, in for one thing, to vote, that we were ever going to vote as a block is a fallacy because honestly <laughs> there's some native people who think Trump's wonderful. There's some native people who are, who are very conservative <laughs> and, and they will be more swayed by, by stuff that doesn't even matter to us like abortion or gun control. <laughs> they'll, they'll be swayed by the Republicans or the conservatives over, over stuff like that instead of even understanding, you know, what policy issues. So no, there, there's, if you, if we were part of the American or Canadian electorate, electorate, we would probably be split. So we, you know, as a as a number or as a as a voting block, we would be we'd be split. So we we wouldn't have any impact there yet anyway. I mean, and then when you consider who you're voting for, like I said, Trudeau is has has been a ball faced liar on most of this stuff. On the on the U.S. side. Look, I, when I first posted the the whole dichotomy between the 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 Turo and the uh, and the Washington Belt, <clears throat> I had this Lakota woman just called me an idiot. She called me down. She said, "Oh, another insignificant Eastern tribe or something stupid like that." She was she was really insulting. I I, I could name her name, but eh, it doesn't really matter to me. But the crazy part is when I when I told her, "Well, then just go ahead and vote then." You know, support your president. You know, Trump's your president. You know, oh, I'm not an American. What do you mean you're not an American? Of course you are. If you're voting in that system, you can't. You can't say, "Oh, let's get out and vote and let's let's play America," and then say you're not. I mean, that's the choice you made. That's what I'm talking about here today. I want to talk about choices. Now, I think there's more of a downside to our to our voting than than any possible upside. I don't think there's ever a situation where Native people are going to turn a um, a red state blue. If if that's what you think we need to do, if you if you're if you buying into you know all the democratic talking points, now look, would I prefer to to see genuine progressives or, or or liberals in you know in U.S. and Canadian politics? Sure, 
just because of environmental issues and stuff like that. The problem is most of them are full of crap. And most of them are still geared more towards trying to keep their ever-growing economies going, which is, which is a fallacy, which is impossible. The earth's not getting any bigger. And, and to just encourage people to con- just c- keep consuming, keep consuming, keep buying, keep burning, keep doing all of the stuff. And then you say, oh, but we're going to be conscious, of, you know, about the environment. Bullshit. You're not. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter because even the even the, the people on the left, even even the, the blue states. Still are the biggest of um, California and, uh, and New York are still very, very polluting states. And part of it is because of the, of the population that they have, sure. But uh, this this notion that somehow we can, you know, and, and when I hear people say, "Well, I'm an activist. I, I I'm uh, I'm all for going out and getting, uh, you know, getting out the vote." That's not activism. That's compliance. That's that's complicity. Voting is not a um, resistance. It is not an act of resistance. It's not an act of defiance. I don't care who you vote for. I don't even care if you vote for a third party, Green Party, you know, um, Communist Party, <laughs> you know, Satanic Party, whatever. You that's not a, that's not an act of resistance. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you vote, you're validating the system. I mean, if you vote, whoever wins the election is still your your president or your governor or your senator. doesn't matter that you didn't vote for them. You validated the process that got them in there. So don't, don't I mean, don't, don't tell me, well, no, I vote, but Trump's not my president. Well, if you vote, he is your president. <laughs> He's not mine. And if you vote, you're an American. Or if you vote, you're a Canadian. Because only Americans, only U.S. citizens and Canadian citizens can, can vote in those elections. But if you stand on our own distinction, if you stand on that path in the two row and you don't cross over, now, look, on a global population, we may seem marginalized, but you know what? We are a distinct people. We we aren't watered down, you know, a marginalized, minuscule, smaller image on a belt in their system. No, we are, we're all the same size in ours. We're not the same size in theirs. We're the little men and women. We're marked. We are insignificant in their system, and they know it. So when they make overtures, oh yeah, we need to protect tribal rights. Yeah, notice they got to use that word, right? Oh, we got to protect tribal rights, and we should restore some lands to them. They never restore lands. Their system is called feed a uh, feed a trust. All it does is it takes it out of uh, private property and then makes it into a, uh, that the federal government holds the land for us. That's not restoring us to our lands. That's the federal government, you know, taking it. And then we have our own people. Think, well, we're going to acquire land and we're going to put it into trust. <laughs> so you're going you're to acquire land and then give it to the federal government to hold for you. Yeah, that's distinct and autonomous. And for all those people who want to, you know, play with the word sovereignty, the United States isn't yielding sovereignty to us. In fact, their definition of um, uh, of self governance and self determination, they made it clear. Even um, as the UN was trying to pass the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, the United States, from from NSA, from the, from the National Security Agency said look our problem with the uh with this UN declaration is that it's trying to change international law because when we say self determination we mean internal self determination we don't mean that their land we, we're not going to accept that their lands are distinct and sovereign and that we don't have a right to claim them the, the federal government made it real clear that's why they voted against it and even when Obama became president and said, no, we're going to relook at the, uh, we're t- going to take another look at that UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. He never endorsed it fully. Nor did Justin Trudeau. What, what'd they say? They said, 
Well, we uh, support the aspirations of the declaration, uh, provided they don't uh, interfere or conflict with U.S. or Canadian law. That was the whole point of the of the declaration. The whole point was that there are countries like the United States and Canada, uh, and New Zealand and Australia and and, uh, and others that where they had systemic racism tied into their into the in, into the law. That's what racism is. It's systemic. They had clear they they clearly violated international laws in the way that they uh, uh, took land, including what they did to Hawaii. This is, I mean, this is what they, you know, what the, the UN Declaration was about. It was about trying to uh, to curb what these what these colonial um, imperialistic countries had done, and 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 to walk it back. So when the United States said, "Oh, we 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 support the aspirations of the agreement," probably doesn't conflict with our laws. Well, your laws are the problem. The fact that that you won't even acknowledge that the land that they're on is is theirs, that, and you want to try to—I mean, most of the, the the language in the declaration was about us having clear and defined, um, although they were it was the minimum standard rights, and that if those if we if these countries, <coughs> these nation states, part of this United Nations, were going to do something that was going to. Um, impact native peoples they had to have our free prior and informed consent so we had to be we had to know what they were doing and we had to be able to freely choose and and uh to either give consent or not give consent that doesn't exist in the united states or canada i mean i i look i was at the un when 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 canada sent down their their notice Oh, yeah, we're going to become fully compliant with the U.N. Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. Bullshit. That's simply not true. That was one of Justin Trudeau's many lies that he told while he's been, you know, playing pretty boy of Canada. And and then what do you got? You got Barack Obama saying, oh, yeah, Justin Trudeau, he's just great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, Why? Because they were birds of a feather. Now, was Stephen Harper worse or this sheer? Sure, they'd have been worse. But if we're saying that, just like Trump's worse than, you know, on, on many levels, not on every level, many levels, he's, he's, he's far worse than, than Obama. But we can't ignore the fact that the Dakota Access Pipeline, that was, the, that was, <laughs> that was Obama's baby. The, the idea of trying to turn, you know, um, half a million or a couple million uh, Ganaka Maoli into, into an Indian tribe. Subordinate to the laws of the United States, that was an Obama. That was Obama's baby. So let's not pretend that you know that that he was our savior because he sure as hell wasn't. But I know, I know, there's a whole bunch of you out there. I, you know, not just a bunch of you ur- urban natives, but there's a whole bunch of you out there on your native territories. Oh no, Obama was great. He was our he was our best president. Oh, Justin Trudeau, he's just great. No, they weren't. That's why that's why we we call them Rana the Gaius. Because they have a mission. And look, the strategy to destroy us has changed over the years. You know, it's it's gone from you know everything from enslaving our people to murdering our people to uh um you know disease blankets um you know letting leukemia or, or um you know, or uh, tuberculosis, I should say, spread throughout residential schools to wipe out our population. No, there's been all kinds of ways they've tried to kill us, starve us. Oh yeah, we're going to put you on this piece of land, but we're and we're going to we're going to you don't need to hunt anymore. We're going to provide you with food, and they, they give you rotten food. Or we make some deal where we're going to pay you X amount of dollars for the land that you seed, and then the land, the, the those dollars don't come for ten or twenty years. In the meantime. They've, they're executing 38 people, uh, you know, for for resisting some of this this land occupation. The day after Christmas, a week before Lincoln signs the Emancipation Proclamation, that's the history, folks. And yet, we're still going to sign up for the military. We're we're going to stand in line, like 
like good Americans and Canadians to vote for some of these these people? And we're gonna and then we're gonna pretend that we're doing it for our people, that these are acts of defiance. They aren't. No. So what do I get hit with? Anytime I have this conversation, what do I, oh, so you're saying do nothing. No, I have never suggested doing nothing. What I'm suggesting is that there's a there's two paths on that wampum belt. I'm not saying we dig a hole and we, we stay entrenched in one spot. We, we continue down that path. Our path. We look after our children. We don't ask for federal legislation to do it. We solve our drug problem. We don't ask for you know for federal dollars to fix it for us. The only thing we want them to do is you keep your people from bringing the goddamn stuff onto our territories. You keep your people from from bringing the booze onto our territories, which is what exactly what you do. You did with alcohol the same thing you did with crack cocaine into the black communities. It wasn't an accident. This wasn't because native people you you know somehow just became addicted out of thin air. You created the substance abuse problems on our territories. And we're not asking you to help us with treatment. We're saying keep your keep your your keep your poison off our territories. So that's the only thing we, we don't need them to legislate for us. Follow your own laws. Stop your people from committing the crimes. You choose not to. Why? Because who cares if a native person is a victim? Who cares if a black person uh, has a crack cocaine problem. Who cares if hey, look? The more we can characterize native people as just drunk Indians, the better for us. Look, if we can keep doing that, we can take their children, we can take their land, we can take their resources. We can even say, look, you're not capable of handling your own um, your own assets. So we're going to manage your money for. It. Oh, sorry about the forty billion that we lost. Yeah, let us uh, let us pay you ten cents on a dollar on that one. Yeah, our bad. We mismanaged your money. We can't account for it. We don't know who. We, you know, we, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we no, we didn't even get the sorry. We literally on the Cobell case, which was estimated at over forty billion dollars that the United States had lost of native assets, including money. The this was. You know, income from from grazing leases, from from you know um, water rights, from mineral rights. I mean, right? What they, what they screwed the Navajo out of over uh, over uranium again? Just unfreaking believable how much they, they they screwed Native people. Oil. I mean, it just. I mean, it just goes on and on. And and you know what? Any of the stuff that came to an end. You know, you know what didn't end any of this stuff? Any, any of the, the, the those the, those real atrocities? It sure as hell wasn't voting. You know what did end it? Us standing up, not standing up in a voters booth, not standing in line in a voters booth, but standing up in resistance. That's how we stop this stuff. But as long as we're going to sit back and say, no, the federal government's got to take care of us. State government's got to take care of us. And we'll just vote somebody. We'll vote for somebody who's going to be nicer to us. Well, again, how has that worked out? How has that worked out? So when you look at those two belts, you got to ask yourself, do we want to be that little man barely hanging on to our longhouse? but firmly in the grip of these big white men who have all the power, all the resources, have us outnumbered. That's what we want to be. That's what the, look, just look at the freaking belt. I'm not inventing this thing, but I'm going to talk about it more after the break here. But uh, because part of the problem is we won't even accept what these things even mean. I've heard people and on the dog is oh the two row wampum that's just a that's just a trade agreement. No, it isn't. And then I've heard people try to say that the George Washington belt was, was something we agreed to. No, we didn't. There's n- there's no parallel to that belt and what people claim to be the Canadago Treaty, which is again not a good not even a great deal. We'll talk about it when we come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back after this. Personally, I should. 
prefer to see the Aborigines. And the Indians, too. And the Indians, too. This should be most enlightening. Uh, what makes the Red Man red? Teach them all about Red Man. Thanksgiving lies in Columbus Day Tell me what I know more than the teacher Tell me what I know more than the preacher Tell me why you think the red man is red Stained with the blood from the land he bled Tell me why you think the red man is dead With the fake headdress on your head Tell me what you know about thousands of nations Displaced and combined to concentration camps called reservations We died for the birth of your nation Hollywood portrays us wrong History books say we're gone You got a church Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Uh, what? What? what I... Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Look, we're we're a little out of sorts here today. But Jake and I got involved in too much of a conversation before we even started the show. I mean, we looked up and realized what time it was. Then, of course, then I started the show without a microphone. But anyway, <laughs> anyway bear with us here. Uh, we're human beings. Um, hey, look, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, and they sponsor me even on days like today. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank Ross and Allie John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. I want to thank the good folks at uh, GRE and NWS for, for supporting our show. And a few people who uh, on occasion will drop a check in the mail, help us uh, you know, with our next equipment purchase or get me out of a jam when, when everything gets, starts to catch up to us. But um, look, we... Um, we do this every uh, every week. We do two shows a week, sometimes three, depending on what's happening in New York. We don't, we're not sure yet, but um, uh, we're in our we're in our tenth year. We've been doing this for a long time. We we continue to have conversations that that need to be had, including this one. I mean, this is this is really is a necessary conversation. Look, what I always say in my intro, I we talk about identity. Identity is so important, and and if you don't think it is. If you think it's just enough because you live on a native territory or you got a nice tan and your hair is long and black or whatever else, it's it, that's not it. And it's not about wearing blue jeans and t-shirts. That's not what screws up our identity. I can look, I can stand up and uh and I can show all kinds of resistance in blue jeans. <laughs> and it's not even about whether, you know, you you let your kids you know, carry a bucket and collect candy at the end of the month or eat turkey in November or give a gift in December. Look, as long as you're not indoctrinating yourself into the, the into the, the history and the religion and, you know, and, and all the superstitions and everything else. Look, capitalism is a problem. And, and that's a, that's part of that indoctrination that, that we really have to resist. Look, overconsumption this this push to consumerism that is a part that is the that is the biggest the, the most prevalent characteristic of americans or u.s citizens i didn't want to use the word american but u.s citizens and to some extent canadians as well is consumption is just shopping buying stuff buying stuff they don't need buying crap 
you know, energy consumption, you know, burning more fossil fuels per, uh, per person than, than anybody else on the planet. That, Canada and the United States, they don't really have cultures. They just grab stuff from other places. You know, music, you know, clothing. I mean, they, they, they just lie about history. So they can't even say that, they, that they've got this history that, you know, this rich history that makes their culture. Look, they've lied about everything from, you know, reasons for dropping an atomic bomb to, you know, uh, you know, uh, to causes of the Civil War. I mean, look, it's it, it's all a lie. Now you got you got Trump trying to compare, you know, his his impeachment to being lynched. You've got a baseball team that loses a game, and and they say they were scalped. They just make light of 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 the atrocities that black people or native people ever ever experienced. It's all a joke to them. Look, we do have choices to make. And look, I, I'd be great if we never lost anything. But we have. And, and when I say lost, I look, we still have our language. Not everybody has it. Not everybody, you know, can speak. Not everybody, um, you know, uh, has the same level of, of competency in terms of survival skills and and, and understanding our relationship with creation. Um, people are at different places there. But you know, the Turo is a path. It's not a destination. The question is, do we want to be on that path? Regardless of where on the path we are. Look, some, of, some people are way ahead of us and some people are way behind us. But as long as we're going in the same direction, not sitting there being held by the hand by a white man, Leading us to their voting booth or to their, you know, to the recruitment station for the military or, or you know, some priest luring us to, to some back room so he can sexually molest you as a child. No. Look, we have done incredibly well surviving the atrocities that have been committed against our people. Surviving genocide. Doesn't mean the genocide hasn't, hasn't occurred and that it's not still occurring. But the fact that there there are many of us still fighting like hell against it, oftentimes having to fight our own people, we don't have leaders in you know that are sitting on I don't care traditional council or elected council who are willing to say the strong uh, strong look used to. We used to have people say things like, you know, that need to be said. I remember listening to, you know, as much as I, you know, I have some issues with, with some of the, the, you know, the hypocrisy that came out of Onondaga. They used to say, no, we don't vote in, in elections. We're, 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 we're completely different people. We're not a part of that system. We have, we we're, we're you know, they used to say they were soft. Then I hear Oren Lyons at the, uh, at the midterm elections going to NCAI, telling people to vote. And nobody even seemed to alarm by it. And when I brought it up, I got a bunch of people pissed off at me. Suzanne Harjo, got the good folks at Syracuse University. They all got pissed because I even brought it up. Well, I was pissed. I'm not a big fan of Oren Lyons anyway. He's one of the guys carrying around this George Washington belt like it's one of ours. But when I hear him, and then it, and it's all over the news, I shared the website. I, you know, it was it made it made big news. Oren Lyons out there telling people to go vote in the election. Well, look, that was even a departure for him. But it begs the question: Why? <coughs> why are the the most iconic faces and names and voices that people have associated with Native people telling us to vote? Suzanne Harjo. Why? Why are these people? Who are they working for? Well, I mean, this isn't about conspiracy theories, but but why? Why would we have anybody on the Canadian side or the U.S. side telling us that we have to be good Canadians or good U.S. citizens? Why? Why aren't there more Native people who have the platforms who have? Who are recognized when they walk into a into a lecture hall, saying "Hell no, 
No, instead we got guys like Mark Charles running for president for crying out loud. What a joke that is. Why aren't... Look, I even had had this argument with, with a few of my... Why? Because they're good friends in, in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, we need to vote. I, I even got into to, to this uh, debate about... Um, well, how do you support the Hawaiian kingdom and the and you know trying to the restoration of the Hawaiian kingdom, and then say you're going to vote in the fake state of Hawaii? Somebody tried to say, "Well, yeah, but our, our some of our people leading us in this uh, uh, against the the illegal occupation are saying to vote." Really, I had, I had literally had to ask Leon Su. I said, "Do you advocate voting in Hawaiian elections?" And he said, "No, absolutely not." But that's what people are running around saying that. We have to be more, more vocal about it. I mean, does it really matter that John Cain says don't vote in an election? I don't know how much sway I have. Maybe I maybe I shame a few of you. But let some of the uh, some of the the national voices, some of the most recognizable native voices out there, people who have a hell of a lot more influence than me. Let them start saying what they should be saying. I think I heard. Uh, um, uh, oh dear, I can't think of his first name right now. <laughs> drawing a blank here, uh, um, saying uh, uh, you know, saying that all oh, Mohawks don't vote in their in those elections. It, it's not their system. Well, good. I'm glad. Uh, 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 I think it was Philip Deer. Maybe that's not Philip. No, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, uh, somebody will text it to me here. I mean, I, you look, know, and that's great. But even even when I hear people say it, they just they just said as a matter of fact, they're not saying no, we shouldn't. I don't hear enough people. In the positions that that they should be, saying no, we should we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be voting in those elections. And when I said it, <laughs> I got a, I just got a whole bunch of pissed off at me, and I don't care. I'm like I don't I don't mind. I'll, look, when somebody calls me an idiot because I say we shouldn't be voting in their elections, or or we got to get into this debate about whether I'm recommending doing nothing, voting is tantamount to doing nothing. Because if you think voting and these, oh, yeah, there I did it. I stepped up. I, I did my act of resistance. I voted. No, you didn't. You didn't resist. You complied. You did exactly what they told you to do. And it, it doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't. Because your vote wasn't going to influence the out, outcome anyway. And even if it did influence the outcome, even if in the in the rare, almost incredibly rare, rare you know, possibility that a native vote could swing an election for somebody I guarantee the po- the person who won because of that vote still had a lot more white people voting for him than the, than the native people so who are they loyal to you, you think your vote is the one that did it no I mean your vote was everybody else's vote I, I look right or left we still aren't their people. And even when you think you've joined them, I mean, you think Ira Hayes? Ira Hayes lifting up the flag at Iwo Jima. You think he came home to this hero's welcome and lived, a, lived happily ever after? No, he still died drunk in a ditch. Why? Because the conditions still exist. Billy Ray Dumark. I'm, as I'm as I'm sitting here, I'm on the other side of my camera is a poster for the Dakota Thirty Eight. When I first watched that film, one of the one of the folks that's featured in the film and keyed upon is a young guy by the name of Billy Ray Dumart. He talks about how tough it is back home, and that he's doing this ride to to try to collect himself and to you know. And by this ride, I mean they're 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 retracing the you know where the, the the Dakota 38 had to be transported to, to be hung by the neck in Mankato, Minnesota. So they take this ride in December through blizzards and everything else. And when white people decide to shelter their horses or, or maybe fix a dinner for these guys, the white film crew says, oh, look how great these white people are. He says, I don't understand why some of these native guys aren't more appreciative. Well, did it ever occur to you that the the affluence and these nice ranches that these white people have 
was native land? That the very people who they're feeding right now in their great acts of charity, and look, they were being generous. But why were they generous? Why could they be generous? Because they were living affluent lives on native lands. They displaced these very people who are now trying to do this ride to symbolize an atrocity that took place. But Billy Ray Dumark was in that film. And as they follow him through the film, you realize how uncomfortable he was with, you know, especially around white people. By the end of the film, he's, he's you know, he's, he's pretty animated and, and energized and, and excited. You know, I, I can't wait to do this again next year. Well, he didn't do it the next year because he committed suicide before they would ride again. So he rode in, two, in 2008, but he didn't make it to 2009. Why? Because where he lived sucks. And why did it suck? Because of U.S. policy. And if you think voting for somebody you know, in North Dakota was going to fix Billy Ray Dumark's home, if you think voting for somebody, getting a new president was going to fix, you know what Obama's idea was? He goes to a native, he says, well, I'm going to be the first president in U.S. history to go visit a native territory, a sitting president. So of all the places he could have gone, he goes to the territory, he, he has a uh, one woman, not a cabinet appointee, but somebody who was the senior policy advisor to native issues, native affairs, Standing Rock. So she goes to he goes to Standing Rock, the one place that was probably represented more than anybody else. Standing Rock, that's where he goes because that's his senior policy advice. And and it just so happens her brother was Dave Archambault, the president or chief or whatever they are. I don't know what they're chairman, I guess. Of Standing Rock, so that's where he goes. And what does he do? He commits. Oh, we're gonna he even quotes Sitting Bull. We got to build something for the future of our children. Gives his long and passionate speech. What do they build? A freaking pipeline. The only thing the Obama administration could put, take credit for, as it related to Standing Rock, was a goddamn pipeline. Oh, yeah, he held it up at the end of his presidency so, so Trump could finish it. And when, when he held it up at the very end, Oh, they were lighting off fireworks and everything else. But yeah, Dave Archambault yeah, managed to come up with fireworks. They did They did fireworks. Because the, the pipeline was finished, all except for that little section going across the, uh, underneath the river. As Obama's administration comes to an end. What the hell did you think was going to happen? Of course it got finished. But you know what? You're going to go out and vote for Democrats. Who is the Democrat in the area? Heidi Heitkamp. She was all pro-pipeline. So, I get back. Look, those belts, I know some people look at everything, you know, one piece of land is sacred, one item is sacred, you know, and they they try to almost put religious significance to it. These belts are symbols. They've been done over and over and over again. Well, (laughs) Not the George Washington. That was that was a one time deal. Well, I don't know. Some people made made a couple of replicas of it, but but the two row. That's an image. That's a symbol. That we've used. Probably going back uh, too, too long ago since since time immemorial. That's what we say, right? Because we don't put dates on things. But the the two row, that was something we we exchanged from from native people to native people. As it was explained to me. That two row isn't just about our covenant with another native pe- with another people. It's our covenant with nature, with creation. We say that one path is ours, the other path is the deer, the other path is, you know, are are the trees. And whatever. As long as we're living, look, we don't necessarily have to walk a path to be on a path. There's a line. There's a long line of succession. Generation after generation, not just of human beings, of all of creation. And every part of creation, we, we call it original instructions, right? They aren't, it's not like it, it's an instruction book. But we're all placed on a path. And 
That path is guided by generations before us and generations that will follow us. And not just, again, not just human beings. But we, we've used that imagery of the, of the two-row over and over and over again. Why? Because it's simple, it's clear, and it's distinct. There's no denying what those two, those two paths represent. They represent two paths that don't touch, that don't entangle with each other. They don't merge. There's no place on that belt where it comes together becomes one purple path, one, one path. It's two paths, ours and the other. Now, look, I know people say, oh, we should never view people as the other. No, sometimes you have to. I, I mean, if you don't re- recognize distinction, I, mean, I don't see color. Well, then, 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 then you don't see me. Then you don't see my history. You're ignoring who I am. You tell me you don't see my you don't see color. You don't see distinction. Well, you better see distinction. Because it's disrespectful to say that you don't. But those that belt is clear. But you know what? The other belt's clear too. That other belt represents subjugation, subordinate, subordination. It represents our people under, I mean, they, they even have like a, 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 some sort of arbor or yoke over our heads. Not only do they, do they, uh, do they weave that wampum to make us look like little men compared to them, but they put something over us. And it wasn't our longhouse. No, it's, it's something separate. But we have, but these are, these are symbols. And our belts, not the George Washington belt. Our belts, the, the, that symbolism means something. And, and it cuts right to who we are. We, we have, I mean, we have choices. We have choices about where our future is going to be. I mean, we can certainly homogenize and fade away into into the in, into you know look we can the melting pot right and that that's what they call it the melting pot yeah we can step up and just fade away within that melting pot nobody will, no nobody will know any different we can become insignificant in their system or or we can set an example we could set an example on quality of life, how to solve problems without somebody else, you know, using their 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 system of racism to solve. We could be an example for for climate change and surviving climate change. We could set an example for how we survive the next economic fallout. Or we can crash with everybody else. And we can sit there in, in the next version of Hoover Town waiting for government handouts. Now, don't get me wrong. The federal government owes us plenty. The states owe us plenty. And even as they owe us, they're still taken from us. They're trying to take, they're trying to tax us. I mean, does anybody even th- just break it down? How absurd is it? that the federal government feels that they have a right to to tax our labor the work that we do when we get compensated for the work that we do i mean and 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 it's wrong across the board but the most bizarre thing is when i think about somebody sitting working for the Seneca nation i don't care if you're a counselor i don't care if you're a secretary the fact that you're working in your own government, on your own territory, and you have to pay a tribute to the federal government? For what? For the privilege? And we don't have a problem with that? Or we only have enough of a problem to bitch about it, but not to do anything about it? You got a, you got a state government trying to pull a billion dollars, another billion dollars out of Seneca Gaming? And I know there are people here who say, yeah, well, that's just the cost of doing business. No, it isn't. <laughs> I mean, 
only if you believe in extortion. It's just a cost of doing business. So, you think you're going to vote that out? You're going to vote that away? Can I remind you that Governor Cuomo is a uh, is a Democrat? Who are you going to vote for? <laughs> Look, we we have to stand up. We have to concentrate on who we are, our identity. And and I'll tell you, putting up those two wampum belts side by side, there's no better illustration of the choices that we make. We either become one of their little people or we let our path be just as distinct as theirs. In fact, when you hold that path, that two-row wampum out, ours is on top. Ours is on top. Their path is beneath us. Not we're beneath them, their arm being led by by some big white man. These are choices we make, folks. Don't and when I hear somebody say, Oh no, we have to do this. This is all we're left with. They took everything else, all they gave us in exchange was a vote. Bullshit. For one, the land is still there. The land hasn't gone anywhere, while some of it might wash away to uh, to flooding and to climate change. But we need to we need to reclaim it. And I don't mean just in name only or, or you know, <laughs> sort of have the government f- hold it for us. Because they're also holding everything over our heads. In some places, they can't even make a tribal council resolution without approval of the Interior Department. They can't open up a business. We don't even have people saying definitively the fact that we do some of the, the, the business that we do, you know, um, tobacco gasoline we didn't ask the federal government permission for that and gaming we didn't either we started doing gaming before igra was passed and igra the indian gaming regulatory act it didn't give us the right to do gaming but we don't even have our own people willing to say that and that's just a matter of fact they didn't pass a law that allowed us to do gaming they passed a law because they knew we could do gaming and the one lever- the, the one piece of leverage they had over us wasn't whether we could do gaming or not, but whether they could hold their laws over their people's heads. See, the vendors that supply us, they had to make sure that the, the federal government said it was legal. They, they couldn't violate their government. So the crazy part is they can pass all kinds of laws to make sure that their people follow their laws even as they're doing doing business with us but they can't keep out a drug dealer but no we're going to keep organized crime from getting into a a native casino but you're not going to keep a drug dealer from coming in give me a freaking break we need to stand up we need to take control or not even control because this isn't about power we need to assert our free and independent existence and when i say a free and independent existence i mean a thriving existence we need to to fight for the right to thrive not just to survive but we need to fight for the right to prosper and to have hope for the future not just catch what drops off the table or find out what what next grant they're gonna you know they're gonna fund for us because i guarantee as their economy class uh, collapses and crashes we the last time it did they cut they all cut all kinds of indian health service funding i don't know if we ever even got it back and you know what indian health service is not it's been reduced to welfare but it shouldn't have been that's a debt they owe health education and welfare that's what most of the land sessions were about so anyway I gotta get back this is about choice we get to choose the path that we're on don't let anybody tell you you have to go a certain direction including myself we all have that choice 
We get to choose what our identity is, who we are. Are we Ungwe? Are we Canadian? Are we Ungwe? Or are we U.S. citizens? If you vote, you made that choice. But you know what? You don't have to do it the next time. You know, the thing about what we call the circle wampum is you can come back. Just because you stepped out, you come back. So I'm saying come back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. See you in a few days. Yahweh.